Well, hello there, folks. Welcome to another episode of Surviving Empathy. I am your host, Brian Russell of Chef Bry Comedy. And you can reach me at all of my socials at Chef Bry Comedy. That's Chef B-R-Y Comedy on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Twitter. And today, finally, I'm going to talk about being a chef. I'm called Chef Bry Comedy. Everybody wants to know, well, were you really a chef? Yes, I was really a chef. Uh, so I'm going to tell you about my experience with it. I'm going to tell you about my experience in culinary school for good and for bad. And I'm going to teach you guys about not just how to read a recipe, but how to cook by learning the spirit of cooking. Once you learn the spirit of cuisine and a dish, you can never go wrong. There's only so many ways to do it. And once you have it down, it will apply to everything else. I promise you. So please grab your favorite beverage, grab your favorite snack. It was a hot one today, and man, I hope I hope you guys can hear me over my fan running. I had to run my fan during this one, but uh, it was a hot day in Oregon at the trailer park. And uh, yeah, guys, this was going to be a fun one. So get your favorite snack and grab somebody, grab your friend, and uh, yeah, let's get started. Well, hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of Surviving Empathy. I am your host, Brian Russell of Chef Fry Comedy, and I am coming to you today from a stinky, sweaty, hot bedroom. Uh, It's a balmy 97,000 degrees here, but uh, we'll get through it. I've got the fans running, so if you hear anything in the background, I'm sorry, but daddy's got to stay cool. But uh, today... I wanted to talk about being a chef. Everybody's like, Chef Bright Comedy, why don't you ever talk about food? That's a good question. Uh, because it's not really about that, but I'm very proud of being able to call myself a chef. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's get into it. Um, so, so I love food and the arrangement of food and the, you know, the experimentation. You know, there's a lot of, um, YouTube channels nowadays that are really good at just um, showing the the clean and uh, beautiful aspects of the culinary arts, and that's a lot of fun. Uh, unfortunately, being a real chef is nothing like that. It's almost like being a McDonald's cook uh, with with fringe benefits. Uh, but you know, the, I don't want to dissuade anybody. You know, I don't want you guys to think that I don't like. Uh, working as a chef. Um, it, it's just that there's not a lot of real chef positions left out there anymore. I mean, the truth of the matter is that, okay, so I went to culinary school in 2002 and 2003, and I got the equivalent of an associate's degree from it. And that's fine, you know, but the problem is, is that people don't realize that this is a a highly specialized skill, two years in a single school that's dedicated only to cooking. And uh, boy, do you learn a lot. Things that you didn't even know existed. Not not just cooking, but, you know, the the beginnings of cooking, you know, from Escoffier and the, the original OGs, if you will, of the culinary arts world uh, in France, you know. Um, and it is a Le Cardon Bleu school. Uh, so I, I graduated from uh, the California School of Culinary Arts in Pasadena, California, 
Uh, it's not called that anymore. It's called something else. I can't remember the name, but um, it's it's the same school, same program, uh, and it was such a good experience. I got to meet you know celebrity chefs like Emeril Lagasse. I got to meet uh, Wolfgang Puck, and I even got to meet uh, the Queen of Cooking herself. Uh, what's her name, babe? <laughs> Oh, she's not listening. <laughs> Help. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. Uh, 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 Julia Childs. Julia Childs. Uh, God, I, I can't believe my brain. Uh, it's just been hot all weekend. And uh, I, I, I've been a little fibroed today, so I'm a little eh. But uh, no, it's good to come to you guys on, 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 a, on a beautiful evening. Um, I, I, I had to wait for the, uh, the, the sun to go down and the the room to cool off and the house to cool off a little bit, but uh, yeah, let's get into it. Um, so, so I, I went to a two year culinary school and uh, you know, what got me involved in that, you know, what got me involved in that really was watching food TV, you know, back in those days, it was all about uh, Emerald Lagasse and bam and, uh, you know, uh, Alton Brown and Good Eats and uh, uh, Bobby Flay. And then uh, one of my favorites was Ming Tsai. Uh, he, he, was, he was a lot of, he was one of the, you know, pure talents, you know. Um, but the thing of it is, is that as society gets bigger and as these things become more culturally popular, it almost becomes a... Um, you know, a, a, uh, it becomes a, a mockery of itself. It's not the same anymore. It's not pure like it used to be. Um, so you go to culinary school and you spend a lot of time and money working your butt off. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, you're, you're lucky, you know, to, to make minimum wage at, in the beginning. And, um, you know, they make all these big promises to you that, uh, you know, you're going to, you're going to make 60 grand a year, you know, in your first five years and blah, blah, blah. And that never happens. And so I just, I want to give you guys the good and the bad of it all. Um, so what's the good of it all? The good is that you spend two years in culinary school, making friends, drinking and eating the best foods ever made. And going to, you know, VIP uh, areas of bars where they're, you know, we used to go to this one uh, British pub and we had our own section up there. And we used to watch the, uh, you know, the the soccer matches and stuff. And, uh, you know, and we had our own little VIP area just for culinary school students. And so that was a lot of fun. And, uh you know, it's kind of like a rock and roll lifestyle. You know, there's a, there's a lot of drinking involved, a lot of, uh, you know, beers and uh, shots involved because it's a hard, hard job. And, uh, you know, for me, once I stopped drinking, uh, I just couldn't do it anymore. Not at least not the way that they want you to do it because they want you to go in there and pretend you're a rock star and, uh, you know, and they and they they sell that lifestyle like, yeah, man, we're just we come in and we kick ass and we have some drinks and then we 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 celebrate life and then we chefs go to other places and we you know try all these cool things and that all is great for a television show, but in real life, especially if you're not living in Los Angeles, you know, because when I graduated in L.A., 
Uh, I moved back to my hometown of the central coast of California. And uh, my very first job, I was a sous chef at this restaurant. And uh, I'm not going to give you the name because they don't deserve it. But uh, it was just a lot of hard work and a lot of paying of dues. And uh, my my car broke down and caught fire one day on this grade. And I told my boss what had happened. And he's like, Oh, don't worry about it. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll work around it and blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, when, when I didn't come in because I didn't have a ride, he fired me. So, you know, that's the thing about like being in the culinary arts is that there's a lot of people <clears throat> that, you know, there's a lot of good people, but, but, but if you're in the wrong places and you read them meet the wrong people uh a bunch of shitty people just making promises that they can't uh you know live up to and just you know people that that are just you know a lot of ego and a lot of self-importance and uh that is really my biggest issue with society today is that self-importance you know you see it in fitness you see it in uh, acting and TV and celebrity culture. You see it in the culinary arts. The the ego and the this this pretending that you're more talented than you really are. You know, there's there's very few people that I know that could battle in a kitchen the way I could uh, back in the day. And I'm just you know, uh, you know, all modesty. You know, I'm no ego. But uh, very few people can really handle themselves in a kitchen the way some chefs can, you know. And that's why I I love, uh, you know, Anthony Bourdain, for example, because Anthony Bourdain is crusty and hardened. And, uh, you know, he's he's a drinker and a smoker. And uh, and yet he's oddly healthy. You know, it's that French thing. You know, French can smoke and drink and still be healthy. I don't know how they do it. But um, and he's a little bit of an asshole and he's and he's crusty and he's he's he he was just uh, had a had a, a, a knack for language and words. And, um, you know, he was just very worldly. And, and that's what culinary the culinary arts uh, did for me. You know, I worked in uh, Salt Lake City in a in a fine dining restaurant I, I worked in Sacramento in a fine dining restaurant. I worked in Los Angeles in a fine dining restaurant. Uh, I, I've, I've sampled some of the greatest food that's ever existed. And I've met a handful of celebrities, not only in the culinary arts, but also in radio. And so it makes you feel like a big shot, you know, but then you graduate and then you go work your first real job and you're making, I think the first job I was making $8.59 per hour. Um, this is back in, you know, 2003. So I can't imagine you'd be paying, you know, making that little now. But you don't make a ton of money, especially in the beginning. And so where it's at in the culinary arts is, you know, uh, is working places like, um, you know, uh, you know, like uh, Vail, Colorado, you know, and these nice resorts and hotels. Those are pretty decent jobs. Uh, working in uh, like Spago and some of the nicer places in Los Angeles. That's that's worth it. At least it's not necessarily that you'll like it in the in the moment, but you you'll learn a lot. And uh, that experience 
<clears throat> will will carry with you because people will see that Spago and it helps your resume along, you know. Um, but as far as the culinary arts, you know, it, it's it's kind of a science meets art. And it's also like, uh, it's kind of like being a fancy fry cook because it's not a whole lot different than working at McDonald's except you're doing better shit, you know? And so a lot of grease trap emptying, a lot of uh, cleaning up spills, a lot of cuts and bruises and nicks and burns. Um, there's There's been times where I've slid in five gallons of chicken broth in the walk-in and, and cracked my head and I had to clean it up and, and then, and then work a 13 hour day. So, you know, it's not all, it's not all glamorous. You know, a lot of people, you know, they look at TV and they think it's this one thing, but it really isn't. And so I would just advise people who really, really have a knack for wanting to be in the culinary arts, um, that if you're going to get into it, make sure you mitigate and temper your expectations, especially in the beginning. Um, and also temper your expectations in culinary school, too, because you're paying a lot of money to basically work your ass off. I mean, it's basically you're working six to eight hours a day, five days a week for two years. And um, while you learn a lot and you make a lot of friends and there's a lot of camaraderie, um, that's my best, my favorite part of the whole thing was the camaraderie. And the people you meet and the experiences you have, um, the, the the truth of the matter is, is that it's not for the faint of heart. Um, if you're going to go to culinary school to become like a baker or something and start your own pastry business, um, yeah, you could do that. Um, you could enter the baking and pastry program and not have to go into hot foods. Um, I did the full thing, so I did baking and pastry and and hot foods and world cuisine. It was a two year program. And, uh, yeah, my, my, uh, cumulative GPA was, uh, 3.8. So I was almost a 4.0 student. Um, I worked my ass off, you know, and I'm very proud of it. Uh, I was 28 years old. So I had been out of the military for about five years. Um, in those five years, I was basically gearing up to be a chiropractor. I was, I was pre-med. Um, and then when I visited that school that my buddy went to, I just realized uh, it wasn't for me. It, it, it just felt very, um, uh, you know, elite and phony and everybody wearing docker pants and kind of walking around like they're doctors. And we won't get into that because I do believe there's a lot of legitimacy to chiropractic, but there are some aspects to it that are a little bit pseudoscience. And so I won't go into it, but um, it's not to say, because my best, one of my best friends is a chiropractor. And uh, yes, I, I know how to do chiropractic care. I can't do it professionally, but uh, I adjust my wife all the time. And so um, there is something very intuitive to it. And so as an empath, as a, an intuitive person, I've always been able to pick up on things very quickly. And, and uh, the culinary arts was no exception. Um, you know, when you go to culinary school, uh, the first thing you start learning is, uh, you know, knife skills and, and uh, egg cookery. And then you start graduating into hot foods and you learn, um, you know, how to make a stock. You know, every every kitchen, every real restaurant uh, has to always make chicken and beef and vegetable broth or stock. They call it stock because uh, the difference between a broth and a stock is that stock, you use the bones, and with a broth, you use meat, 
and uh, you know that's that's how they differentiate it. But um, uh, beef beef uh, stock and chicken stock is is something that you have to make every day, uh, and you and you make it and you simmer it overnight, and then you have to strain it, and uh, and that becomes the base for a lot of your sauces. That plus the pairing of wines, and you have what's called a la minute sauces. Those are, those are sauces that you make at the moment of service, where you might uh, reduce some uh, beef broth and then put a little bit of uh, cream in it or something, uh, or, or, or you know, it just varies. You know, uh, but but uh, you know, there's 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 a technique to cooking that um, I can really appreciate. As a person with um, meticulous sensibilities, you know, like I always say to my wife and people that that in life, there's a technique to everything. And if you learn good techniques, um, because most people just don't really learn how, how to do things a specific way. And it's not about being anal retentive and it's not about being, you know, superior or egotistical or anything like that. It's really about, um, you know, learning the best way to do things, you know, like best practices. Once you have the technique down, you, you get it down to a science and it's, it's kind of like science meets art, you know. Um, so that's, that's my two cent advice about life is that there's a technique to everything. And if you learn, techniques and you learn uh, uh, the way to do things correctly, um, not only does it help you make life easier in the long run, uh, but but it kind of helps you have higher sensibilities. Do you really just want to do the bare minimum? You really just want to do things, you know, the lazy way? Or do you want to learn that there's a technique to everything? There's a a nuance, a grace, a, a, a method to everything in life. I mean, from, from folding laundry to cooking food, uh, there's a technique. And uh, I'm not saying be a perfectionist. I'm just saying that once you learn to embrace that, that inner uh, higher sensibility, that evolved sensibility, uh, you will start to appreciate that there's a technique to life. And once you have that technique down, whether it be in radio or whether it be in cooking, um, it really not only it does it does it feel good and feel like you have greater control over everything that you do, um, but but technique re- really makes you feel like you've got a, a, a higher and more sophisticated uh, intellect about life. You know, you're not just sloughing shlu- through life. You know, uh, hanging in the breeze, but you've got a, te- a, re- a methodology and methodology can really save you, um, in a lot of ways. So there's my advice on that. But, uh, culinary school. Yeah. I met, I met, uh, some, some, I, uh, I was at, a, I was working a, uh, wine festival at the, um, back to the future lot, uh, which has since burned down, but, uh, that was the back to the future lot in those days at Universal uh, Studios. And I got to meet uh, Emerald Lagasse and uh, Wolfgang Puck at the same time. Uh, they were three sheets to the wind, and they were a little buzzed. And uh, they called me over, and we, we sat there, and we drank and talked for a good, oh, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes. And it was wonderful. Asked me who I was and what I was doing, and we talked about food and cooking. And, uh, you know, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, and then... Uh, 
an 80-year-old Julia Child. I got to uh, sit with her at a book signing. She went to our, came to our school and did a public book signing, and all of us students got to kind of sit with her. And by then, uh, you know, she 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 didn't walk a lot by then. She was she was a very tall woman. I think she might have had some uh, walking issues, but um, what a sweet and gentle soul she was. God, Julia Child. Um, and then if you go back and watch, you know, like I, I grew up watching, um, you know, just old Julia Child episodes um, and watching the Galloping Gourmet. Um, but it was a, it was a, it was a very, um, you know, uh, a fancy, you know, thing in those days. You know, they were trying to teach uh, Betty Crocker cooks, if you will, uh, French technique. And so that's kind of where food has gone from uh, being sort of uh, Betty, you know, uh, homemaker cuisine to uh, now uh, regular old cooks, regular people can cook fancy foods uh, because they have so many tools at their disposal now that they didn't used to. Um, And so, you know, that's really what culinary school did was it taught me the uh, French uh, technique of cooking. And once you learn that technique, you can adapt it to all of your other cooking as well, whether it be uh, Italian food or Asian food or what have you. Um, And so, you know, I wanted to give you guys sort of my, my take on uh, what, cooking is all about because most people they follow a recipe but they don't really find the um you know the commonality of everything that they're looking at and so i wanted to get kind of break that down for you guys and explain what cooking is in its simplest terms let me get some iced coffee here let me take a little sip well anyway so the methodology of all cooking. Um, so the first thing you need to learn about all dishes in the culinary arts world is that there's five components of a dish. And so you have a protein, a starch, a vegetable, uh, a, a, a sauce, and a garnish. Okay. So once you know that, uh, that you're halfway there, you know. Um, so just knowing that is important because then you can compose the dish the way it's meant to. Um, and, and then there are different ways of, 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 of presenting that. You know, you may want to put the sauce on the bottom instead of the top. That's called pooling. So you could pull the sauce on the bottom and lay your perfect little piece of chicken on top, things like that. Um, but for, for just for regular everyday people, let me just kind of break down what cooking is. Um, 90% of cooking is heating up a pan, duh, um, and then and then um, usually you're going to be sautéing vegetables at first. Um, in, in 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 most cases, it's called mirepoix. Uh, mirepoix is uh, equal parts onion, carrot, and celery. Okay, so you've got two parts onion, one part uh, celery, and one part carrot, and that's called a mirepoix. Uh, there's also a, a thing called a bouquet garni. And what that is, is you take cheesecloth and you put herbs in it. And so a lot of times what 
will be in there is a peppercorn and uh, like a, a sprig of uh, thyme and sometimes a garlic clove, etc. And that often goes into your soups and sauces and things like that. And then you can pull it out later. And that way you're not getting um, flecks and things in it and it looks nice and clean. You know, in culinary arts, it's all about presentation and making things look clean. So a lot of times you'll see people use uh, white pepper instead of black pepper because you don't see the specks. I mean, it really does go that deep, you know. Um, but just remember, when you're composing a dish, think about this Think about the spirit of the food that you're cooking, okay? So, like, for example, say we're going to cook an Italian dish, okay? Um, and, and, and first you want to know, okay, are we cooking a southern Italian dish or are we cooking a northern Italian dish? And while I don't expect all of you guys to understand the difference, um, you know, a northern dish would be more like um, mountainous areas. So you might have... Uh, uh, much more red meats like deer, venison, and beef, whereas southern uh, Italian would be more like uh, fish, you know, and things like that, and white sauces and, and clams and things like that. And so understanding the culture, honestly, if you just break down if you if you, the culture and you ask yourself, what are the main staples of that country? Um, nine times out of 10, you will learn how to cook based on that. Because, uh, you know, if, if you're in Italy, for example, you're like, okay, well, there's, you know, tomatoes and, and red sauces, and then you've got white sauces. And then you, of course, you have pasta. And then, of course, you have uh, beef and venison. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, you've got the oily fishes and things like that. And, uh, there's a, you know, um, they love herbs, so you have things like uh, uh, gremolata, which is a, a garlic-based, uh, kind of like garlic with uh, chopped up uh, flat-leaf parsley, uh, and you put it on top of a lot of things. It's kind of like a garnish. Um, but the point I'm making is that any country you think of, it could be Israel, it could be the United States, it could be Japan, if you think about their main three to five staple dishes, three to five staple foods, it could be fish, rice, uh, you know, noodles, whatever. You know, once you understand that, you can start to understand and deconstruct the spirit of that country's cuisine. And so a lot of Italian cuisine is really... Um, leftovers you know they you know uh it 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 was the old school tradition you know where grandma would uh use their her leftover pot roast and then make something from it you know maybe adding uh you know some penne pasta or some kind of noodle to it and so um <clears throat> so when you're cooking food there's nothing wrong with following a recipe i still do it you know recipes are sort of like a guide it's like a a snapshot of the dish. And so don't be afraid to use a recipe, but uh, make sure you use reputable sources because you could find a recipe for something that somebody never tested. Uh, we've done it. We've, we've, where we've, you know, somebody, my mom or my wife will find a recipe online and we'll try it and it sucks. And the reason why it sucks is because it wasn't actually tested. Some want to be 
cook, some 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 Yahoo who fancies himself a culinarian. And, and hey, there's nothing wrong with you. Don't have to have a culinary degree to be a good cook. I just want to put that out there. But there's a lot of people out there who uh, portend to be uh, more than they really are. And so what happens is, is that like myself, I could make a uh, you know a, a, a cookbook full of recipes. But if I never test those recipes, then I'm being dishonest because those recipes have to be tried and true. You got to make sure that they work. And so, so what happens is a lot of people, they, you know, maybe they write for Bon Appetit or something like that and they have a culinary degree and they don't actually test the recipe first. And so I would just beware, you know, where you're getting recipes because if it hasn't been tested, and it's not tried and true. Um, it may or may not work out. But um, getting back to what I'm saying about the spirit of a dish, you it, once you understand the um, energetically, uh, ethnically, uh, you know, culturally, uh, the the spirit of a country, you can then break down what and why they cook things a certain way. So, for example. Uh, in Japan, uh, every soup is made from dashi. And dashi is a very clean and pure um, kind of soup base. And it's made from, uh, you know, seaweed and bonito flake. And bonito flake is uh, basically uh, dried, um, you know, shrimp, uh, dried shrimp brine. You know, it's dried shrimp uh, shells. And so... Um, just understanding the clean, simple, light, elegant flavors, you begin to understand what Japanese cooking is all about. And that's not to say that they don't have strong flavors. You know, like eel sauce is a powerful flavor. Um, a lot of uh, they use a lot of uh, fermented uh, products, like fermented bean paste, and uh, uh, you know, uh, Asia uh, kimchi is a more of a Korean dish, but uh, kimchi is a fermented cabbage and so understanding the culture first look at the culture and then uh you know even google uh what are the main staples of a certain country so you say like well i want to make lebanese food okay so you go what are the main five staples of lebanon and once you find out what that is you start to understand what the spice palette is of that country once you understand the spice palette of that country, you can apply the same French cooking techniques to every single dish. And that usually starts off by sautéing or sweating some root vegetable, like in the case of a mirepoix, and then uh, reserving that to the side. And then uh, usually you're going to caramelize some piece of meat. You're going to, and the way you do that is you start it by sauteing it in a pan, always an oven safe pan because um, you're always going to finish in the oven. So you, you saute, say your chicken, for example, and you get it nice and brown, you flip it, and then you put it in the oven and you want that chicken to be nice and juicy and tender. Uh, you don't want it to, you know, you want the juices to run clear. So, you know, uh, back in the day, they used to say 165 degrees is where you want your chicken, especially, uh, to, to go to nowadays, um, you hear 160, uh, uh, just 
you know, I always say um, whatever looks most appetizing, you know, like I, I do a turkey. Most people do a turkey to like 165. I do a turkey to 172. I just think it runs, the juices run a little bit clearer and yet you're not cooking it so long that it starts to dry out. So just use your own common sense. Um, but there's so many resources now that I didn't have in culinary school. I mean, we barely had internet in those days. I mean, we did, but it just wasn't what it is today. And so, um, so, so then once you have, okay, you, you do your root vegetables and then you do your protein and now you finish your protein in the oven. Okay. Now you have that. Now, what am I going to do for a, a side, you know, and, and, and going back to the five components of a dish, we've got our protein check. Okay. We've got, uh, our, uh, you know, our sauce. What are we going to do for our sauce? What are we going to do for our, uh, our, our, uh, our carb or our starch? You know, and that's, that, that's usually, uh, you know, a, a starch or a carb and then a vegetable. So, so what am I going to do here with this? I've got my chicken here. It's gorgeous. And, uh, it, you know, I've got an airline breast. It's all beautiful and the skin's fried on the, on the outside and it's crispy on the outside and juicy on the inside. And so you've got your airline breast and then, uh, you know, you want to do some kind of starch. So you could do, you know, garlic mashed potatoes. That's a very popular one, uh, where you, uh, make an aioli, which is, uh, kind of like an, a garlic sauce, or you can simply take, uh, you know, you, you cut your, uh, entire the top head top half of uh, the top quarter of, of a head of garlic off and put a little bit of olive oil on that salt and pepper wrap it in foil uh you know 300 degrees for about 30 minutes and it turns into like toothpaste once it cools you can squirt that out and you can use that in your potatoes right and so that's a popular one so um uh, there's a ton of potato dishes uh that's a very famous one in in french cooking you have Pomme d'Apenois and Pomme, uh, Pomme Frites and Pomme Anna. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, potato dishes. Um, and, and, but you can also do things like, uh, couscous, you know, couscous is a pasta, you know, so you could do something like that. So you're, you're thinking about the components of your dish, right? And then you want to do, of course, a vegetable. And, uh, you, if you're doing a piece of chicken, for example, you know, you could do a side vegetable, you know, like a very common one is um, green beans or uh, what's called haricover. That's a fancy word for green beans. It's French green beans. Um, but haricover is usually sauteed in a pan with a little bit of onion, a little bit of garlic, sometimes a little bit of bacon. Um, boom, you got haricover. Um, you could you could saute uh, some spinach, just baby spinach. Saute it up, a little bit of olive oil, a little bit of garlic, salt, pepper, bam. You've got yourself a beautiful little mound of spinach. Uh, so, uh, you know, just think about, like I said, the country that you're uh, trying to cook from. Um, and you will generally understand the essence. See, that's where cooking comes from. It's, it's technique and what is the essence of what they're trying to do. <clears throat> you know, like in, um, like in Middle Eastern countries, for example, um, a lot of times you'll get like uh, like like a tandoori chicken, for example. Uh, tandoori chicken is cooked in a tandoori oven. Um, it's not like the juicy chicken that I was just describing. It's more of a it's 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 very like robust. You know, it has um, uh, 
it, it, sometimes it almost looks burnt. You know, it's very, uh, it's just cooked really well. It's caramelized and beautiful. Uh, and then once you cook that in the tandoori oven, um, you're going to cook some naan. And a lot of times they, they, they make their dough and they just slap it onto the tandoori oven. And when it falls off, it's cooked. So, you know, that's what I mean about understanding the culture. When you start to understand the culture and where and how people come up in those countries, you can begin to understand the spirit of a dish. And, um, and, and the, the main way of doing that really where you don't have to overwhelm yourself is simply asking yourself, what are the main three to five, uh, uh, staples of a country? Once you understand that, you can really start to understand the spirit of cooking in a particular region. Uh, like for example, in the Middle East, tandoori ovens, uh, naan, which are, which is an unleavened flat bread, uh, where it's cooked in a really, really hot oven. Um, and then of course, spices. They love spices. And so what kind of spices do they love? You know, and why do they love them? And in what, what, you know, ways are they mixed? So understanding a curry powder, understanding the difference between yellow curry and red curry and green curry, or understanding what, um, what, uh, garam masala is. Garam masala is a spice blend from the Middle East. It's very popular and it's basically just a mixture of, of things like turmeric and uh, cumin and, uh, you know, very, uh, pep- uh, smoked paprika and et cetera. Um, but, but understanding, uh, their culture, understanding the spice trades. If you guys remember, uh, your American history, remember the spice trades, uh, the, the unfortunate, uh, spice triangle, it was called, where we would receive, uh, one thing and then we would give another thing. And, you know, unfortunately, there's a dark history, uh, to that with, uh, slavers and whatnot. Um, but understanding the food and, and what, where it comes from, the origins, you know, like, um, soul food, you guys, like, uh, beautiful soul food. Oh, I love Southern cooking and soul food comes from the heart and soul of our beautiful African American brothers and sisters. And man, you can't beat it. You can't beat it. You know, you've got you know, collard greens and, uh, fried okra. And uh, fried chicken, and it just the list goes on and on and on, and it's just a beautiful thing. And so, understanding, um, think about the people. When you think about the people, and think about um, the stress they were under, think about the times, think about poverty, think about limited resources, think about uh, their their um, who. They were trading with at the time. So a lot of times, you know, you'll see countries that were trading with the United States, you know, or, uh, you know, c- certain countries were trading spices and things. Um, understanding those nuances helps you become a better cook. And then once you apply the same, you know, scientific uh, approach, uh, you, you're going to get a good dish every time. Um, and, and then learning you know like look at a recipe and start to understand this the nature of that recipe don't just look at ingredients and and just go what's that you know like look at it really look at it and go oh looks like we've got okay this and this 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 and once you start understanding you're like oh i see what this is i know what they're going for here once you have enough experience you start to understand what they're going for 
And, and that's how you become a good cook. You know, look at recipes, use recipes. I say hey, chefs always use recipes. We never stop using them. It doesn't mean that you memorize all this food. What it means is that you find a recipe and it helps you uh, to get excited about the spirit of a dish. And sometimes you might, you know, go, well, I like what they did here, but I don't care as much for what they did there. And so you can actually make that dish your own uh, simply by understanding and, with, you know, your own experience of a particular place. Um, and, and the only time, you know, because especially nowadays with fusion cooking, um, <clears throat> fusion cooking, if you don't know, is where you take two cultures that never really coexisted and you mix them together. So you might have like, Brazilian French food or, uh, you know, uh, what else have I seen? Uh, there's all kinds. Um, California, California fusion is a very popular one. So what it is is taking, uh, traditional dishes of cultural cuisine and then just kind of giving it a California flair. So maybe it's a little more locale or maybe it's just a little bit more, you know, lightweight or something like that. And uh, so you 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 begin to understand the essence of 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 that food, and um and and the the, the possibilities are limitless, you guys. So that's what I had to say. Um, you, you know, you've got your comp- you've got your protein, you've got your starch, and then you've made a nice sauce, uh, and then a garnish. Um, and, and that's really and and you know you don't always need a garnish, but I recommend if you can. Just pick up some flat leaf parsley. You can throw it on anything. You know, that's usually what happens, you know, at the last minute. Eh, there you go. You got some some flat leaf parsley. And it makes everything look beautiful. And so um, that's what I have to say about the spirit of cooking. Um, you know, you know, saute uh, your your uh, vegetables, in, usually in extra virgin olive oil, a little bit of salt and pepper, sometimes a little bit of uh, crushed garlic and uh Always caramelizing. So you want to caramelize your meat and then finish it in the oven so it's nice and juicy on the inside. Never stab your meat. Um, <clears throat> you know, a lot of people, they like to smush their meat and they like to stab their meat. Oh, don't. Don't do that. And another thing is, is when you're cooking a, a protein, uh, make sure it comes up to room temperature first. You do ne- You never want to cook something frozen and you never want to cook something cold because it it makes that because it, it's a muscle and that muscle when you introduce a cold protein to a hot pan or a hot oven um it makes it seize up it makes it real tight and it and it it, it you know it kind of it's like a, it's like a muscle flexing if you will and that will get very firm and that firmness uh does not translate into uh you know tender uh cuisine so just another little thing to think about. Um, but the spirit, you know, like I said, you've got the five components of a dish and, and, and once, and once you know that, then you apply the French cooking technique, which is to say, um, you know, always saute, uh, your root vegetables in many cases, whether it be, uh, for a sauce or a soup, uh, always caramelize your meat and always, if it's, if the skin is on, make sure that skin is nice and crispy. You might, you don't want to sacrifice dryness. You don't want to dry out the, the meat, but uh, if there's a way that you can make the meat nice and tender in that skin, I mean, we've, we've even cooked it and it's like, oh, it's not crispy enough. And you'll, we'll take a blowtorch to the skin. Bam. Crispy. You know, that's what it's all about. Um, so that's what I have 
about the spirit of, of cuisine. Uh, let's see. What else? What else? What else? Um, uh, I, you know, I, there was, there was a time where I really felt it was important that I wanted to warn young up and comers about, uh, the dangers of culinary school. Um, and so let me just talk about that. You know, I almost wrote a book about, uh, called, uh, don't go to culinary school. And, uh, you know, it's not that I don't love it. I, my culinary school experience was one of the best experiences of my life. I wouldn't trade it for anything. It was even better than the army. Um, but <clears throat> the thing is, is that, um, you learn all this stuff and it makes you, uh, culturally sophisticated, whether you think so or not. Once you get out and then you get into a real restaurant, chances are, you're going to be around people that don't know their ass from a hole in the ground, honestly. And that's not to say that regular people can't be fine cooks. Um, I am on a Facebook group. Uh, I've got a friend. She invited me to this group and she's a amateur cook and she makes some beautiful food. So don't think for a second that status has anything to do with being a good cook. I've met chefs that suck ass at cooking and i've met grandmas and just regular people out there who are wonderful cooks that have wonderful instincts so so don't think for a second that that means something it it should only mean something to you you know if you want to be a chef and you want to be a culinarian um yeah go for it but but let me warn you about culinary school um it's a lot of hard work uh, chances are you're going to end up having to borrow money to do it. And uh, they don't take the GI Bill. At least they didn't in my day. So I wasn't able to use my GI Bill for that um, because it's a private school. It's not a. It's not considered a regular college. It's a trade school. Um, and even if it's a Le Cordon Bleu, um, I would recommend going to one that's Le Cordon Bleu because um, it's going to give you a little bit more pull you know, um, but, but, you know, honestly, don't spend too much money. You guys, like if you, you know, nowadays you can go to a junior college and get a wonderful culinary education and it might not be Le Cordon Bleu. Um, but if you can find a Le Cordon Bleu, uh, certified program, uh, I would recommend that just so that you know that it's living up to, uh, the French, uh, culinary standards, but don't spend an arm and a leg, you guys. I spent $50,000 on an education, and the most I ever made as a chef was $15 an hour. Does that seem worth it to you? I submit that it does not. So just be forewarned. Um, if, you, if you're looking, you know, a lot of females, um, you know, I, I, I met this, there's this, uh, uh, one of my wife's uh, friends, a co-worker's daughter, I had to give her a ride one time and, uh, she was 13 years old and she want, she had a little, uh, business where she made cupcakes and they were beautiful and she did a great job. Um, and she wanted to go to culinary school. And so, of course, she's picking my brain the entire time. It's like, you know, what should I do? Should I go to culinary school and this and that? And, you know, I didn't, you don't tell a 13 year old, you know, don't do it. You know, you don't want to be cynical. You don't want to be jaded. Um, so I just told her, you know, be careful 
when you choose it. Um, it's a lot of hard work. It's very expensive. And, um, oftentimes when you get out of culinary school, you think you're going to get, you're going to land this really kick ass job, but, uh, no, you're not. You're going to be a line cook at first. And, um, sometimes you're going to be a line cook in a fancy restaurant. Uh, other times you're going to be a line cook at Denny's. I'm not kidding. So be careful because even though you work your ass off and you have this degree and you have this diploma and it's beautiful um, and you should be very, 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 very proud of it. Um, employers are like, so only two years? Like, yeah, they only make two-year d- degrees in culinary arts. You know, um, you can, uh, if you want, after you go to culinary school, you can go uh, back to college and you can get a bachelor's degree uh, as a dietitian. Uh, there's, there's a lot of different things you can do, um, but the, but the high paying jobs are far and few between. And so when you get out there, unless you know how to find a a good job, just be careful because you're not going to make a lot of money at first and you're probably going to burn out before you get to where you want to be. Um, and starting a restaurant, starting a restaurant, that's what we all want to do is start our own restaurant. It's expensive. Um, and, Restaurants have a 90 in the, and this is back in those days, 80 to 90% failure rate, you guys. So do you really want to spend, you know, $180,000 on a restaurant and then have an 80 to 90% failure rate? Uh, no, you don't, you know, and so I, I would just say that if you're gonna, you know, go to culinary school or even if you're not, you know, but if you want to have a career in the culinary arts, I highly suggest starting your own business. You know, like uh, that girl, the 13-year-old girl had the right idea. She was making more money making uh, cupcakes than I ever was as as a sous chef or executive chef, you know. And uh, so, yeah, you know, um, just understand the reality that uh, there's most, you know, and I'm not trying to be cynical, you guys, but most culinary schools are failed chefs who couldn't succeed out there. And so they turned around and started a program. Um, those who can't do teach. And that's not to say, you know, that's like me now. I'm a teacher now. I, I don't go out there and cook anymore. I cook at home. Um, but, but those who can't do teach. And so they will sway you. They will manipulate your emotions. They will get you excited about the sophisticated lifestyle and the fancy terminology and the rock star fly by the seat of your pants, you know, nightlife lifestyle of it all. And uh, while that can be fun, um, most of it is just a lot of hard work. You guys, um, I've worked in some fancy restaurants. I've worked in some not so fancy restaurants and uh, I even worked uh, uh, for the United States army once where I was working at, uh, cooking for, uh, these cadets, uh, 300 cadets every night. I was making meals and my boss was a little bit of a stingy guy. And so he, he was buying the cheapest food he could find. Uh, he would never, uh, you know, buy, you know, good ingredients. He would always buy like, uh, boneless, skinless thighs instead of breast meat and things like that. And uh, he was just a cheap guy, you know, because he was trying to, you know, 
skim the, as much money from the top as he could because anything that he didn't spend became his profits. And, and so, um, you know, he was a little bit of a shyster and, and, uh, but you know, I, I, I working there for the U S army and especially as a veteran, um, I had a very good bond with the cadets. They were teen teenagers who were there, uh, because, you know, maybe they lived in LA or maybe they lived in the Bay Area. Uh, these were kids who were trying to get their uh, high school diploma who had previously gotten into trouble. So we're talking about, um, youth gone wild, uh, turning their life around. Um, and, and they were in a, this program. It wasn't a culinary program though. It was just a program so that they could learn discipline and to get their high school diploma. Um, but I cooked for these guys and, uh, it was just a lovely experience. But the problem was, is that, um, you know, I, I regularly spoke with staff sergeants, um, and, and I was a sergeant myself once upon a time. And, uh, my boss was a civilian and, uh, you know, they would like, you know, they would say, what's, what, what gives? Why are we eating the same thing again? You know, there was just lacking in creativity. And so I constantly had to work with this guy. Uh, his name was Fred. So I'll just call him Fred from now on. But I had to constantly finagle with this guy. Hey, can I get this? Hey, can I get this? Um, hey, we need to, uh, retool this, uh, uh, menu because, uh, frankly, I'm getting a lot of complaints, you know, and so, there was just a lot of that going on and you, you're going to find that no, uh, you know, excuse the pun, but um, a lot of sausage making in the business side of the culinary arts. And so um, it can make you cynical. It can make you jaded. It can actually ruin uh, what makes it so great in the first place. And so I just would recommend that if you have a love for cooking and you have a love for the artistry of, uh, of, of, of cuisine, uh, to just be very careful how you do it because it's easy to jump into culinary school and then find that, wow, I can't afford my student loans. And then you go into default and then, you know, maybe you can't find a job that you like because you're working as a line cook at Denny's or, Maybe you're just working as a prep cook for an Italian restaurant or whatever, whatever you can find. You know, sometimes you luck out, um, but sometimes you don't. And so then, you know, you're, you're, you're basically just working 40, 50 hours a week, uh, doing prep and line cooking work for this, uh, you know, restaurant. And then over time, you know, you're not able to pay off your student loans. And then what happens is you burn out in a year or two. And then what happens is you go back to school. And that's exactly what happened to me is when I burned out, uh, I decided, you know, fuck this. Um, my expertise is not appreciated. My sensibilities are not appreciated. And so I went back to college and uh, I went back and I became an EMT. I went to the EMS Academy and I, I became an EMT and then I became a phlebotomist and I did all that for a while. Um, but I never stopped being a chef, especially in heart, because let me tell you, when you go into the army, uh, or, or the Marine Corps, if you, when you, when you go in the military, you, even though you've been out 20 years, you never stop being a soldier. You know, it's like calling an ex president president. You never stop being that, you know, um, and you're very proud of that and you should be. Um, and the same goes for being a chef. You know, once a chef, always a chef. There's a tight knit tribe, uh, of, of badasses, uh, that 
that is is so um it's such a kitschy uh, tight-knit thing and you either get it or you don't get it and um i loved it you know and that's why you know i loved anthony bourdain you know a lot of people say well you're you're an empath and you're a really nice guy why do you like that guy he's kind of a jerk well, the truth of the matter is, is it because he, he speaks his mind, you know, he's an asshole, but he's my kind of asshole. You know what I mean? Um, because he had a, um, just a, uh, a worldly understanding of life. Um, you know, the culinary arts will open up your world to, um, cultures and cuisines and world travel. Um, not that I got to travel, but you know what I'm saying? Um, it opens up your, mind to all these different cultures and um it makes you more worldly because on a business on the on the business aspect of being a chef um there's a lot of science and and uh, a lot of um just a lot of math and a lot of accounting that goes into it there's a thing called cost uh cost benefit uh, analysis and so learning how to um you know, how to, you know, what's your usable portion of a product? Like say you have carrots, well, you can't use the skins and you can't use the stems. And so you have a yield, what's called a yield percentage. Um, carrots have a yield percentage of, you know, some percentage. So say, say maybe it's uh, 87%. And then of that, you can uh, multiply how much a, uh, a, a, a crate of carrots costs, uh, and, and then from there, you can pr- actually price out how much a single dish costs. And very few people do that anymore. Most people are just like, what's the going rate for this? Um, and then if, it, if they're a fancy restaurant, they add $2. And if they're not a fancy restaurant, they subtract $2. Um, very few people actually do it the correct way anymore. Um, but cost-benefit analysis, it helps you understand your usable yield. And it helps you understand how much you can charge for a dish. And, uh, that can help you understand, uh, how much food you have to sell in a, in a particular evening, uh, to, to be profitable, you know? Um, and so, so my, my suggestion is, uh, um, don't get in, in over your head. Uh, the vast majority of chefs that open restaurants nowadays are, um, you know, frankly, uh, retired rich people. Um, I've worked for a handful of rich, Folk, um, I, I worked for uh, uh, a winery uh, that he he used to be. Um, he 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 moved from L.A. and he went to the Central Coast and he he bought a winery. Um, but he used to be an investment banker. You know, um, a lot of celebrities. I know that. Um, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, um, uh, gosh. Anyway. You know, uh, Jenny, Jenny, Jennifer Lopez. I was going to say Jenny from the block, uh, owned a, re- a Mexican restaurant, uh, uh, in, uh, Pasadena and I've been there and, uh, you know, and so a lot of celebrities have good restaurants and there's a lot of in LA and Hollywood. There's a lot of, um, you know, local restaurants that have really been around since the fifties and sixties and those places, um, you know, while they are a tradition, um, they're not necessarily a fun place to work. You know, I had a friend, um, you know, he was ahead of us and he graduated about a month uh, ahead of us and he got a job at Spago, which is the uh, fancy restaurant that uh, Wolfgang Puck owns. And he comes to visit us and he's, he's looking ragged and he goes, oh my, you know, he was Asian. He's like, oh my God, you guys, 
oh my god it sucks it's so much work it's so hard you know <laughs> it was just <clears throat> he was so, such a funny guy hold on a sec <clears throat> excuse me let me take a sip of uh coffee here so so the the long and the short of it is that you don't have to go to culinary school to learn a technique and you don't have to uh, uh, you know, be a world traveler to learn uh, the spirit of cooking and to learn international cuisine. So I, what I would suggest is um, learn the science of cooking first by reading textbooks, by going on the internet, understanding the temperatures of meats, understanding um, the temperatures to store foods, you know, and 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 get get ser- serve safe certified. That's what it's called. It's called serve safe. It's S E R V S A F E. Serve safe, and it's a it's basically the standard in um, learning proper food handling. And um, you you can get you take the test online. You take the test. You learn everything. Um, you know, on your computer, and then you get serve safe certified, and then you can work in restaurants. And uh, it teaches you everything you need to know about um, uh, proper storage and proper temperatures and uh, uh, what's called uh, um, uh, uh, cross-contamination. And that's when uh, a food gets contaminated by a surface or something like that. Um, but you learn about all the various ways in which food um, can can spoil and all of the natural ways in which food can be a natural preservative, like you learn that. Uh, sweets, the reason why we don't have to refrigerate sweets is because sugar is a natural preservative. Um, not in all cases. You have to have enough of sugar in there, but, you know, things like that. You learn that alcohol, you can add alcohol to ice creams and things like that, but too much alcohol, obviously, it's not going to freeze. Um, you learn all these techniques, uh, how to make pasta from scratch. Um, we used to color our pasta. So we would make a, a three-colored pasta. Um, one would be orange that was made from uh, saffron, and then we and black that was made from squid ink, and then green that was made from usually basil, you know. And uh, so there's a lot of really fun things that you can do in the culinary arts. But these days... What happens with most of everything, and not just in the culinary arts, but in all of life as, as, a, as, a, as a rule, and not to sound cynical, um, but, um, you know, we have to forego our passions for reality. In other words, um, something that you love, uh, you may not want to do it professionally because you're not going to love it anymore after a while. Now, I still love cooking, but no, I'm not going to go work in a restaurant, especially around here in a small town in Oregon. You know, these people don't know how to cook, not for real. And there's a handful of places doing okay work, but um, no, I'm not going to go slave away in, a, you know, eight to 10 hours a day in a hot kitchen. I, you know, with my fibro, I can't do it anymore. Plus, you know, there are better ways to make money. So, so I, I'm not trying to sound cynical. I'm not trying to dissuade anybody, but you guys, Cooking is a business and, and much like every business, there is overhead and much like every business, uh, there are ways to succeed and there are many, many hurdles that you must, uh, go through in order to, to succeed. So, so my, you know, my, you know, best advice 
is um, if you love cooking, you know, start a YouTube channel. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt anybody if you fail and it doesn't cost anything. And if you know, and you can learn and teach people techniques and there's a lot of really good uh, YouTube channels out there doing a lot of good work. Um, I'm trying to think of some off the top of my head. Uh, Sam, the cooking guy, uh, he's pretty good. He owns a couple of restaurants uh, called Not Not Tacos. And uh, I think the other one's called Gray's. Uh, he's down in San Diego. He does a lot of good work. So Sam, the cooking guy, fun stuff. Uh, his his uh, son is his videographer. Um, there's another one called um, Babel. I think it's called Babel. Uh, Babel, uh, he rarely shows his face. It's all about, you know, just showing techniques. And he's got a really good sense of humor. And, and he shows uh, very clean cooking techniques. And I find that one uh, very fascinating. Um, and then, oh, oh, there's another one called uh, Sovide Everything. Um, so Sovide is a term. Uh, it's I think it's S-O-U-S-V-I-D-E. So feed everything, and that's when you cook everything underwater. So you you might vacuum seal and then cook something in water, and and it, you're not usually just boiling it. You're cooking it slowly over time. So you may set your temperature uh, to 200 degrees or 250 degrees and let it come up over the course of several hours. So sous vide is a technique uh, that's really interesting. And so my biggest advice is that if you feel like you have the, you know, the, the chef, uh, you know, persona and you love it and you have a passion for cooking or you have a passion for cooking, uh, uh, you know, culture and cuisine, um, look into, uh, the YouTube channels, look what they're doing and make sure, you know, and, and maybe, you know, go, go work part-time in a restaurant for a while and see if you like it. Because you can be really good at cooking and just hate working in restaurants. Um, I'm one of them. You know, I, I've had, you know, I've logged many, many hours in restaurants. And in the beginning, uh, the first few years, uh, yeah, man, I, I was a stormtrooper, you know, it was like, go, go, go. But after a while, when you start seeing glass ceilings and you're not going anywhere, um, you'll go, you'll go look for better jobs and you'll interview with people. And these people are like, what have you done? And they, they treat you like you're stupid. They treat you like you're uncultured. And so I would just say that, um, when you have a culinary degree, it doesn't make you smarter than anyone. It doesn't make you necessarily better because there are folks that I knew in culinary school that could barely cook rice when they got out. It depends on how much you apply yourself, but. What I would say, though, is that for the for the people who work hard in culinary school, uh, it not only does it make you uh, really good at, at understanding food and technique, um, but it also makes you very um, worldly. And so what happens is you go out there into the world and you're thinking of yourself as this sophisticated individual. And then you go out there and you're treated like, you know, just some dumb 28 year old. Some dumb 23 year old, they don't care. And so just be careful because, um, these days having a culinary arts degree isn't always, um, what it's cracked up to be because, uh, you can get a, a job in a restaurant without it. And, um, and unless you, you know, can do it affordably or unless you just absolutely know it's your calling, um, I would just, you know, 
recommend that you guys do something in the culinary arts before you go to culinary school, unless you're rich, unless you got a bunch of money, you know, you know, unless you or, you know, go to a, a junior college and take a, a culinary arts program out there. You can get really good training without the expense. So um, I would just say, you know, uh, test the waters before you jump in, because oftentimes you can't go back in time. Once you spend that money, uh, guess what? You owe that money and uh, you're in big trouble if you don't pay it back. So that's my advice on culinary school. Uh, make sure it's for you. Um, but the culture, uh, cooking is a culture. It's art meets science. And it's like music. Music is art meet science. That's why I like uh, Christopher Lawrence. He's that uh, trance DJ um, because he's one half, uh, you know, a computer engineer and he's one half, uh, you know, a sound artist, you know. And so I've always enjoyed and appreciated that mixture of, of science and art. Um, and so, yeah, cooking can be something that can be a lot of fun, but it can be very, very tiring. And um, these days, if you don't have the right boss or you don't have the right family, if you will, um, it can not it can feel very harsh and it can ve- feel very um, unsatisfying and unrewarding. It's a it's a thankless uh, selfless thing. And, and 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 so if you're looking for kudos if you're looking for um, people treating you with respect and dignity, um, that's not to say that you can't find it in there at all, but just be careful where you go because, you guys, there are so many assholes in the business, um, not just the culinary arts, but everywhere out there. There's just assholes everywhere. Assholes, as far as the... Uh, I can see you've got your just your eyes are up to your ass and elbows. <laughs> but um I don't know. I just I, I I love being a chef and um I'm at a point now where I would consider myself a teacher and I would consider myself an artist and I would consider myself uh, an author. You know, I'm I'm now at the point where um I know enough uh, I don't need a whole lot more education. It's all in there. Um, and once you have a really strong baseline of knowledge, uh, not just of cooking technique, but of cultural cuisine and cultural uh, heritage, um, you, you can become a lot of things. But um, there are so many things you can do besides cook, you know, like uh, be a, a food writer, be a food critic, um, you know, start your own small business if you can afford it. Um, there, there are things you can do to satisfy your culinary arts love that doesn't require doing what I did, which is jumping into the deep end only to realize, holy shit, this is a lot of work and I'm not making enough money to pay back my student loan. So, you know, I, I took care of it eventually, but, um, it is a, it's a wild ride out there, you guys. Um, I highly recommend no matter what you do in this life, uh, you know, look before you leap, uh, because chances are, um, you can be, um, you know, dazzled into the, uh, rock star lifestyle of things. And so, um, yeah, just be careful, you know, be careful what you do. Um, but yeah, that's about what I have today about the culinary arts. I don't want you guys to think I'm cynical because I'm not. Um, it's just that. There's a lot of ugliness in this world. And uh, as an empath, as an intuitive person, as a kind-hearted individual, 
um, I really had to, um, you know, thicken my skin uh, in this life. And sometimes that's a good thing, um, but but you want to reserve enough softness and kindness in order to have um, emotional passion in life. When you cut yourself off from love and passion and and soft, good, kind emotions, um, what you're left with is a whole lot of jerky nonsense. So, you know, that's my two cents about that. Um, but as far as cooking, you know, um, yeah, follow a good recipe. Um, understand the five components of a dish. Uh, understand, um, you know, cooking rules. Um, you know, never put bread in the refrigerator unless it's, you know, uh, you know, sealed in a Ziploc bag in an airtight seal. Uh, it, you know, it collects moisture. Uh, and, you know, just understand the rules of cooking. You know, use good techniques. Um, you know, always, you know, you be clean about what you do. Never hurry. You know, m- you know, there's a term called mise en place. Mise en place is a French term for stuff in its place. And that just means, um, you know, you've got all of your ingredients in, in little cups and it's all cut beautifully and it's brunoise or Macedoine, uh, you know, sized cut or maybe julienne, and you've got it all ready to go, and you've got your recipe sitting there, and you've got everything ready to go, and the oven's on, and, you know, just know, it's it's like anything in life. You know, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So just know going in uh, how to cook a meal. It's always the same. You're always going to caramelize a meat outside while making it inside juicy. You're always going to have a starch of some kind. You're always going to have a vegetable of some kind and a sauce and a garnish. Uh, so once you understand the five components of a dish, um, the sky's the limit. And um, when you're looking at recipe books, um, understand the spirit of quality. So you're understanding not only the uh, spirit of of eth- the ethnic spirit of a uh, of a culture, but you're also understanding the spirit of quality. You know, um, for example, cheese. Most cheese is made uh, from cows that eat corn and grain, um, and so a lot of cheeses, better cheeses, are made from grass-fed cows, like in the Normandy region of France and Normandy butter. So just understanding quality. Um, also understanding dietary restrictions. Um, you're, you're not going to have to be a dietitian in most cases. Um, a lot of times you'll need uh, more training if you do that. Um, but the culinary arts, um, man, being a chef is who I am. You know, um, I've got my Anthony Bourdain t-shirts and I'm proud of what I've done because yeah, it's not easy and it's 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 a rite of passage, and those who do it and do it well are fucking rock stars, and you should be proud. That being said, it's not always what it's cracked up to be, you guys. There are there are easier ways in life. Let me tell you. Um, but if you have a lust for life and you have a lust for culture and cuisine, um, you, there are ways to appreciate cooking and the culinary arts where you don't have to necessarily do it for a living. Just do it for fun. Um, it is something that you can learn and grow over time and you can learn to master and you master those techniques. Remember, everything in life, there's a technique to it. And when you learn those techniques, not only does it make things easier, 
but it but it makes you a much more uh, intelligent and sophisticated individual. You know, you don't just half-ass it. You, you're doing things with purpose and intention, and that's what being an intellect is about. That's what's being a um, a sophisticated person's about. It's not about ego. It's not about being a, a douchebag. It's about you know just uh, uh, carrying yourself with a certain pride and dignity. And once people start to see who you are and what you're made of and the content of your character, um, you're really going to start being able to um, uh, call the shots in your own life. Because um, if you let people push you around and you don't have a strong uh, ethical or moral core or a strong personality and you let people push you around, um, chances are you're going to get pushed around and you're going to um, flounder for a long time and you're going to go in in and out of jobs and you're not going to find who you are and what you love. And uh, after a while, you're just going to burn out. And once you burn out, you might get depressed. You might get into drugs and alcohol. So I'm just saying, you know, save yourself a life of, of, uh, of you know, of, of mediocrity. Um, choose your path wisely, but be prepared ladies and gentlemen, to work for it, work hard. And, you know, everything is a technique. And once you master technique, you are going to be a master technician of life. And it's going to make you smarter. It's going to make you more organized. It's going to make you faster. And it's going to make you just feel better. And you're you're going to be a more worldly and more sophisticated individual. And that's what the culinary arts is for me. It's a It's a celebration of life. It's a celebration of culture and it's a celebration of, you know, just good quality cuisine. Um, so that's what I have today. I hope you guys got something from it. Um, I, w- I hope you guys understand that um, even though I, it sounds like I'm speaking ill of it, um, I have nothing but um, positive, uh, fond memories of culinary school. It was such a blast. Uh, but when you get out, um, chances are there's going to be a lot of people out there who are going to uh, diminish your uh, worth and diminish your uh, training. And so be very careful, you guys. It is a rude, cruel world out there. And uh, sometimes uh, it just pays to to know in advance before you um, do something that you can't back out of. So that's what I have today. Culinary school, being a chef, man. I'm proud to be a chef. And so I want to thank you guys for, for, uh, you know, listening to my podcast. Um, this podcast for me, it's all about, um, you know, mental health. It's, a, it's a, a little bit of comedy. It's, a, it's, it's where comedy and humor meets heart. You know, um, the, the world is becoming a tough and mean place. There's a lot of dysfunctional, uh, people and systems out there. And so, uh, for me, this is about sorting life out and trying to make sense of it all. Uh, because believe me, a lot of it don't make a whole lot of sense these days. So, so just, you know, figure out who you want to be and go for it, man. Um, you know, I love Star Trek. I love Star Wars. I love movies and horror movies and I love my fitness and I love running and I love being a soldier and Boy Scout and I love being a chef. Um, but, um, if I went out for an interview, they'd be grilling me to death. They'd be giving me tests and all kinds of craziness and 
they're not going to see how much experience I have. And sometimes you get to a point, you guys, where you just get tired of having to prove yourself to people over and over and over again. So that's my advice is that um, make life simpler on yourself. Um, if, if you want, if you have a lust for something, you know, by all means do it. But um, just understand that most people out there don't give a flying fuck about your culinary degree. Um, they don't give a flying fuck about you or your feelings or your experience. And so even though you may feel like you have this uh, education and worldliness, nobody cares. You know, I don't know how many people at Lowe's that I, when I worked at Lowe's had a bachelor's degree and couldn't find good jobs. So we're just, we're living in a different world, you guys. And so know before you go into things, uh, what you're, what's really there. It's not about being cynical. It's about being skeptical. Use your head, you know, and, uh, you'll never go wrong. So anyways, that's what I have you guys. Um, uh, you know, please support me. I'm going to be starting a Patreon channel, uh, very shortly. And I am all about humanitarian pursuits. I'm about equality. I'm about, um, promoting a lifestyle of freedom. Um, I, I'm also, um, I'm not anti corporate or anti capitalist, but I am, uh, about, uh, making sure that our country isn't ruled just by the Walmarts of the world and the Amazons of the world, you know, support your mom and pop restaurants. Um, you may not always get the consistency. That's why a lot of people like Olive Garden because it's, it's always the same. It's consistent. You know, uh, a lot of times when you try restaurants, especially mom and pop places, the consistency might not always be there. So, you know, word of mouth is, is very important with that. Um, but please support your small businesses, support your mom and pop shops. And, um, you know, for God's sake, you know, we got to create a better world, uh, for, for our future, future generations. So, um, if you're interested in making the world a better place, please support me in any way you can. Uh, I will have a Patreon uh, page up this week and, uh, that's what I got guys. Uh, this is Chef Bright Comedy coming at you from the trailer park in Oregon. And uh, <laughs> I had a lot of fun talking. Um, there's so much more I could talk about. And maybe I forgot something. But I, I think I gave you uh, the, the skinny on what's what it's all about. Um, it can be a lot of fun. It can be a, a, a rock star lifestyle. But a, a lot of times uh, there's a lot of uh, mediocrity interspersed in there that you may or may not want to deal with. So... Just remember that going into it. And thank you guys for listening to another episode of Surviving Empathy. I am your host, Brian Russell, and you can reach me on all of my socials at Chef Bright Comedy. That's on Twitter, Instagram, and now on Facebook. And I will see you again one more time this week. Thanks, you guys. I love you. Thank you for your support. Please support me in any way you can. It, it, it means everything to me. And like I said, when you support me, you're not just supporting one individual. You are supporting a person who's dedicated his life to activism and finding ways to empower regular working people. That's what it's all about. Thank you, guys. And I'll see you next time.